Hi, my name is Kathy Eichest, and my husband Mark and I have been working in Bosnia-Herzegovina with the Alliance since 1998. You may remember hearing about Sarajevo when it was the host of the 1980 Winter Olympics, or if you're a history buff, you may remember that Sarajevo was the place where World War I was triggered when Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated. Or maybe you remember that in the 1990s there was a civil war that happened in Sarajevo. Thousands of Bosnians came to America as refugees during that time, and a lot of them settled right here in New York. And so maybe you've met somebody who's Bosnian or you know somebody, um, so maybe you've already heard a little bit about life in Bosnia. The people of Bosnia-Herzegovina have been on a long and very difficult journey, um, but their story is not finished yet. In case you're trying to remember just where Bosnia is located, I have a couple slides for you. So um, we can look at that. Where in the world is Bosnia-Herzegovina? So you can see from this first slide that it's in Europe, not in Africa, it's not in South America, it's in Europe. And if you can find Italy, you can find Bosnia. It's just right across the water from Italy. So we call that South Central Europe. The country of Bosnia itself is not really big. It's about the size of West Virginia. And... If you start from the geographic middle, you can drive to any of the borders in three hours. And for the past three years, Mark and I have been living in Zanitsa, which is the geographic center of the country. And uh, so we can tell you that is true. You can get to any of these borders in about three hours. Not a very big place. Okay. Our scripture for today is Philippians 1, 4 through 6. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are a part of our journey, that you are a part of our story, and part of that journey has brought us here today. Um, listening in whatever, whatever place we're located, whether it's in our home or in our church, listening to your word, listening to the message that you have for us today. Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts, that you would prepare us for the word that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we're recording this, uh, the COVID pandemic is still going mostly strong. Um, and this time of COVID has given me, and probably all of us, more time to think. It's given us time to think about where we are, where we're going, and maybe where we wanted to be by now. I don't know how many of you are like me, a thinker or a more contemplative type. That's not the same as being super intelligent or super educated. It just means that I think about things more than I talk about them. It could be deep things, like how all of our stories are intertwined and over time and over space and over geography and what that looks like visually. 
Um, it could be about good things. It could be deep thinking about sad things or things that don't seem to have any resolution or any easy solution. Did I lose you? I hope not. Uh, maybe you've taken some time to think about your spiritual journey. If not, I hope you'll take some time this morning to think about where you are on your spiritual journey right now. Are you feeling good about where you are? Do you feel like you want to move forward onto the next thing God has for you? If not, that's okay. God's patient, and he lets us move at our own pace. If you have things to resolve or wounds that need to heal before you can move on, he's here. He wants to enter your experience and restore you. He wants to help you untangle the knots and be able to move forward. We're all on a journey, and like any long trip, there are high points and low points. There are good days and bad days. There are times of zooming along on a summer day and times of struggling to see through the fog. You can hardly see your way ahead, or maybe a snow squall has blocked your view. Some days the traffic is light and we make good time, and some days we need multiple rest stops. Sometimes we get hopelessly lost, completely turned around, off track, in spite of, or maybe because of, our GPS. We wonder if we'll ever get back to the main road or eventually find our destination. Well, wherever you find yourself today, Paul has good news for you. He says he prays with joy because he's confident that Jesus began a good work in you, and he will bring you across the finish line at the end of the journey. So whether you're struggling to get up a steep hill or coasting down the other side, Jesus is with you and will stay with you to the end. Jesus doesn't force himself on us. He's a gentleman. We have to invite him into our stories. And today I'd like to tell you about two Bosnians who invited God into their stories. The blonde lady in this picture is named Rafka. Rafka is a gypsy lady, and she didn't have the opportunity to go to school. As a young girl, she was expected to be at home helping her mother, learning to cook and clean and take care of the animals that they had, all the things that a girl needs to learn before she can become a wife. And at age 14, Rafka was married. started having her children very young. When I met her about 15 years ago, she was living in a small village, way out in the country, illiterate, um, I asked her, Refka, have you heard of Jesus? And she said this, Jesus, who's that? Is he supposed to live around here somewhere? I've never heard of him. Someone who never heard of Jesus in the 20th century, 21st century. Refka was lost in so many ways. She was lost in her sin. She was living far out in the middle of nowhere in a very small village. Hardly anybody even knew she existed except for her family. She was illiterate, had very little contact with the outside world. God knew about Rafka, and Jesus died for her. He loves her. And Jesus decided to enter her story. A few of Brefka's children had met some missionaries and had met a pastor 
and has started coming to church, has started asking questions about Christianity, and has started coming to a home group Bible study. And so Refka started coming along. As you, this is her youngest daughter with her there, and in that picture she's about 12. And so Refka wanted to know, where are my kids going? You know, what are they getting up to? So she would come along with them. And one evening she came to our home group Bible study, and she said, um, I had a dream on Sunday, and I can't figure out what it means. And I asked my son, and he couldn't help me figure out what it means. So, Kathy, can you tell me what this dream means? Now, I don't have a sign outside my house that says, dreams interpreted here. But I know from the Bible that God helps interpret dreams. The Holy Spirit can give that knowledge. And so I prayed quickly, Lord, help me. If this is a dream that's from you, help me to give Rafka a, a meaning to her dream. Well, she said, you know, after I came home from church with the kids, I was laying on my couch, and I had a headache, and I kind of drifted off to sleep. I'm not sure if I was really sleeping or dreaming or what. And, um, and I looked up, and there was, was Jesus, and he was leaning on the, the doorposts on the sides of my doorframe of my house, and he was leaning way in and smiling at me. Um, he didn't say anything. He was just smiling at me. I kind of shook my head and, and woke up, and I looked again, and he was gone. Can you tell me what that means? And I don't know about you, but my mom had this picture in the house when I was growing up of Jesus knocking at the door. And that was the picture that immediately came to mind, that verse from Revelation that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone invites me, I will come in. And so I explained to Rafka, I said, you know, the Bible says this about Jesus. Um, you know, that he doesn't just barge into our lives. He waits for us to invite him in. That he, you know, he was leaning in as far as he could. You haven't invited him in yet. He's smiling at you because he loves you. And he gave his life for you. You've been coming around for a while now. And you've heard about Jesus and what he's done for you. You've heard about how he died for you and offers forgiveness from your sin. But he's not just going to barge in. You would need to invite him into your life and into your heart. That's something that you would like to do? Rafka said, oh, yeah, I would really like to do that. What do I do? That same night, right there at home Bible study, Rafka, this little gypsy lady from the middle of nowhere, illiterate, invited Jesus into her story and receive the free gift of salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. One of the joys of being in Bosnia-Herzegovina over 20 years is walking along someone's journey over a long period. And over the years, I can tell you, Refka learned to read so that she could read the Bible. Today, she can read and write, maybe not as fast as you or I, but she's making progress. Refka's family got saved. All six of her children, all of their spouses, her husband and her former husband, have all received the Lord. Three of her children not only finished high school, but went on to Bible school. One of her boys got his Master's of Divinity and is serving as a pastor, and another one is also serving the Lord with his Bible degree. 
Jesus became, began an amazing work in Rafka's life when he came to her in a dream. Her story is not finished yet, but like Paul, I am confident that Jesus will bring it to completion. The other person I'd like to tell you about today is Enver. Now, Enver is from a Muslim background, and all of his uncles, his grandfather, um, were all Muslim priests. Even his aunt was a full-time Muslim minister to women. Uh, So growing up, that's what he was surrounded with. But his father, during the Second World War, his father fought with Tito as a partisan, and that started the birth of Yugoslavia. So that meant that he was a socialist and a strong supporter um, of atheism and the Communist Party when it got started. So Enver was brought up in an atheist home. One time he told me, he said, you know, I didn't have any problem with uh, using the name of God as a curse word since God didn't exist anyway. I figured, well, there's nobody to get offended. Enver's mom was also a strict atheist. And on Muslim holidays, she would intentionally cook pork for their main meal. Fill the whole building with the smell. Well, Enver grew up in the city of Sarajevo, which today is the capital of Bosnia-Herzegovina. At that time, he was in Yugoslavia. And he's an artistic type, and so he went to school for graphic arts. And after school, he got a job in his field. And he has a lot of um, people skills, a lot of managerial skills, a lot of what we might say natural wisdom. He rose as far as he could in his firm to be a department manager far as he could go without becoming a member of the party. He said he never wanted to become a member of the party because there was just something about them that he didn't like. Now, during his early years, he met and married his high school sweetheart. They started a family, had a boy and then a girl, and really under the time of Tito and under Yugoslavia, they were living the ideal life. His wife had a flower shop. He was working as a printer, and they were doing really well, really well. And then the war came. After Tito's death, there was a vacuum for power, and nationalistic parties developed, uh, formed, and started a three-way struggle over who was going to have power in Bosnia-Herzegovina. All of the communist ideals of unity and brotherhood fell to the wayside. And Enver watched his beloved Sarajevo get bombed by artillery shells that rained down from the hills above 24-7. They had to hide out in the basement. For those who might venture out during the day for food or water, or the kids trying to go to school, there were snipers in the high-up apartment buildings, just waiting for anyone they could catch in their sights. Enver said he felt like the rug had been pulled out from underneath him. The communist system that he had believed in, the socialism he had believed in, had completely failed. (coughs) Excuse me. And then, believe it or not, things went from really, really bad unbelievably worse. His son, who 
firstborn, his only son, Dado, came down with cancer, a young adult in his early 20s. And because the city was under siege and the war was going on, there was nothing Enver could do for him except watch him die. 23 years old. No medicine could be brought into the city, and they couldn't move his son out of the city to get treatment. It was crushing, and the grief was unbearable. Enver said he would go for long walks, and he would, uh, you know, in spite of the snipers, he would go and find a tunnel or an underpass where he could just be alone and scream and cry out to God in his grief. Yeah, you heard me. Cry out to God. His grief made him ask the question, Are you there? Do you exist? God, if you're there, let me know. You know, Jesus had tried to enter Enver's story earlier. His son and his daughter had both become Christians. Um, They had met an American missionary, and through his testimony, they had both become believers. And they witnessed to their parents, but their parents weren't interested They weren't ready to hear about Jesus yet. But now he was crying out to God, and God responded. God reached out to Enver in a way that spoke to him. As he was walking back home that day, something caught his eye down on the side of the street. It was a leaflet that someone had cast aside. He picked it up, And he looked at it, turned it over, brushed off the mud. The gospel tract. Who printed it? Who translated it? Who wrote it? Who brought it there? Who had it? Who threw it down? Who knows? But God made sure that that little little tract was in Enver's path on his way home that day. And as a graphic artist... It caught his attention. He looked at it and how it had been printed and how the figures were drawn. And it held his attention as he read the message. The word found its way to his heart. He was ready to invite Jesus into his story. He went home and talked to his daughter and said, you know, I'd like to come to church with you. I'd like to learn more about this faith. This time, Enver was ready to invite Jesus into his story. This is another journey we've been a part of for 20 years. Here's Enver in the middle, being ordained as a pastor. And his daughter, Yatza, and his wife at his side. Over the years, we were part of a church planting team together. We were able to plant three different churches together with Enver and Stana and just amazed at the wisdom that God would give him and the visions that God would give him and the courage that he had in sharing his faith. Eventually, Enver gained a godly son-in-law who's a worship leader and a youth pastor today. And also... He got two grandsons, one of whom plays on the worship team. So Jesus has brought healing, life, freedom.
fruitfulness and joy to a family that was crushed by grief and war. Enver's journey hasn't finished yet either. Oops, there we are with him. His journey hasn't finished yet either. In his retirement, he's pouring himself into his grandsons and younger pastors who can draw on his wisdom and his life experience. Now, these are great stories, and it's been a privilege to be a witness and a part of God's work in the Balkans. But it almost didn't happen. When I was at graduate school preparing for overseas service, there was one particular day when I was just overwhelmed with the weight of what God was asking me to do. To go to another country, learn another language, talk to people about who God is and uh, the message of forgiveness and eternal life and just the, um, the tremendous responsibility that that involved. And I thought about all the times that I had failed God in my, in my spiritual journey, all the times that I had not been obedient to him. And the picture that came to me was, uh, you know, a couple people playing pitch and catch and that God was getting ready to toss me the ball. And I said, Lord, what if, what if I drop the ball? What if I mess up? What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't have the skills or the gifts that you need for me to do this job? And uh, God is so gracious. He said, I already know if you're going to drop the ball or catch it. I choose to throw it to you anyway. Fast forward a few years, and it was just a couple evenings before we were to leave for Bosnia. And again, I had this feeling of dread. Am I going to be able to do this? I knew that the civil war had just ended in Bosnia. We heard stories of atrocities that had happened there and just horrible, horrible things and incredible trauma and pain and all of these things that people had gone through. And I thought, you know, I grew up in the country in upstate New York. I've never experienced any of that. I'm glad I didn't. But what do I do now? How do I speak to people who have gone through such horrible things? What will I say to them? Lord, what should I do? And the Lord asked me this. He said, can you tell them that I love them? Can you tell them that I've seen everything they've gone through and I haven't forgotten them? And I said, yeah, I can do that. You know, when I met Refka and Enver and their families, I became a part of their stories. And they became a part of mine. God has woven our lives together in a way none of us could have predicted. Spending time with these people has changed me and shaped me and my understanding of who God is and how he works in different cultures. Here's just a quick example. One time we were sitting together with uh, Pastor Enver and his wife and just visiting, and he was, uh, Pastor Enver was talking about church planting strategy. And he was saying things almost verbatim from a textbook that I had in seminary. And I thought, 
I don't remember him saying that he's gone to Bible school. I don't remember him saying that he ever took a church planting or church growth class. And so I asked him, I said, Pastor Enver, where are you getting this information from? You know, did you go to school for this, or how do you know? He said, no, no, no. He said, every morning at 4 o'clock, the Lord wakes me up. And as I spend time in prayer, he gives me visions, and he gives me ideas, and he gives me wisdom for the work. And that's where I get it from. I said, wow. You know, this is almost the exact same information that I paid $20,000 for going to graduate school in New York. And he just laughed. He said, well, the Lord knows that as an American, you are really only going to appreciate something that you pay a lot of money for. But as a poor, humble Bosnian, I'm grateful for anything I get for free. And that just shows you how the Holy Spirit works. You know, he had no problem conveying all the same information to Pastor Enver that I had learned in uh, in Nyack. Paul tells us that God's work has begun, but it is not yet finished. There is the promise that he will bring it to completion. Matthew 24, 14 says this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. You know, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are not just silent witnesses to God's work around the world. God has invited us to join him in this unfinished mission. Not just Mark and I, but all of us. What do you say? Are you in? He's asking some of you to pray more, to join us in the spiritual battle, to push back the darkness, to ask God to soften hard hearts, to ask him for protection for workers. He's asking some of you to give more, providing for the current work and making it possible to expand into new areas. He's asking some of you to go to another people group and bring them the good news, to bring fresh workers to the field and renewed strength to current teams and to make it possible to open new ministries. We all have a part in this together. He's getting ready to toss you the ball. Are you ready to catch it? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you enter each of our stories if we are willing to invite you in. I thank you that you meet with us in a way that we can respond to. That for Refka, who was illiterate and could not respond to something written down, you came to her in a dream. For Enver, a creative person, a person fascinated with graphic arts, you brought him a piece of literature, a little tract with a powerful message. And for me, Lord, you helped to calm my heart that was getting overwhelmed. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you work in and through each of us to guide us along that journey, to help us to move forward, I pray for those who are feeling stuck today. Whatever it is that's causing them to be stuck, whatever it is that's causing that fog, whether it's a personal situation, a financial situation, a health issue, old wounds that haven't healed, Lord, you know. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and help each of us to move forward. Help us to say yes and invite you into our stories.
In Jesus' name.